Hey everyone, welcome to the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast. A word about Jim K. Ford, the 2022 Ford Bronco SUV is now ready to help shift your perspective and push boundaries on your terms with the newly available manual transmission with the Sasquatch package. Drake Batherson drives a Jim K. Ford Bronco. You should order yours today exactly the way you want it at Jim K. Ford, 1438 Uville Drive in Orleans or JimKFord.com. Welcome to the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast with Steve Warren and the coach, Greg Kennedy. It's a back from Shabbat. Order to Chuck. Shabbat scores! The captain has 30. And the Sens have a lead thanks to a power play goal from Brady Kachuk. Brady Kachuk with the snapper. A, 30, a 30th goal of the season in the final game of the season. That's your winner. Sens win 4-2 in Philly. And that is a wrap on the 2021-22 season for the Sens. Coming up today, the State of the Union address from GM Pierre Dorian. Yet another edition of Dissecting Dorian. Tons of information to pour through. Lots of news. DJ Smith spoke as well over the last 24 hours. And our pal Drake Batherson is off to the world's. Good to see our de facto co-host get a chance to continue his season. All still ahead here today on the Sands Nation podcast brought to you by Jim K. Ford. Greg, the coach, Greg Kennedy, is with us as always. Uh, how are things, Greg? Things are good, Steve. I want to baseball season. Isn't it baseball season now? Are we, no, are we done with no, hockey? no, 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 no. <laughs> we got lots to get to. There's always lots in the offseason, but I don't mind exactly. mixing, in a, mixing in a little Blue Jays action. I'm loving my Jays. Uh, this is the year of the Blue Jay. No doubt about it. Yeah. I'm all over it. It's off to a fine start. Sorry we missed you this week. Oh, I got busy. I just completely, uh, I I even forgot that we were doing it. And then my, I didn't even hear my phone to remind me when my phone went off, when you texted me, I I screwed up. I got too busy. All good. No, 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 I I wasn't, uh, I wasn't sort of throwing that out there to give you grief or anything (laughs) like that. Um, I listened to it. Like I said, uh, well, that's good. We had uh, we had Drake Batherson, Drake Batherson, uh, just just cut out words, Steve. We had Drake Batherson on, and uh, yeah, he's uh, he just come off that amazing shootout goal, like the perfect timing to have him on, and the perfect timing to have him on again early this week because he is going to play for Team Canada at the World Hockey Championships, and certainly, you know, that's nice. He's had just a troublesome year from hockey. From a hockey perspective, he's he's got it better than most. Don't get me wrong, but for a pro hockey player, man, he ran into a lot of trouble. So it's nice to see him get a chance to kind of continue things. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the Wolves, uh, especially after last year. You could you could make an argument that it was the worst team they'd sent in a long time. Uh, definitely right. the worst start they've had probably ever, and uh, they came back and won. I'm I'm looking forward to watching the Worlds this year again. Uh, we have lots to get to though, because over the last 48 hours. There's been tons state of the union address and DJ Smith also talking as well, but let's begin with uh, the season that was let's let's start with our assessment of what we just witnessed. These are your numbers for this year's Ottawa senators. They finished way out of the playoffs again, this time 27 points out of the final wildcard spot. They finish up seventh in the Atlantic ahead of only sad sack Montreal. I think the Habs are like 18 points or something back of the Sens. Mm -hmm. And Ottawa finishes up with 73 points. That is 26th overall. Let's use the Hockey Canada coaching model here. 
assess assessing things at the micro level, Greg, there was some really big bright spots, but at the macro level, I think the numbers speak for themselves, don't they? Yeah. I, I'm speaking micro, the, the development of the kids is phenomenal. Josh Norris with a, with a great season and, and he's only going to get better to be Stutzel with a great year. Our buddy, the Drake, uh, Brady Kachuk gets to 30 goals. Um, the, the emergence of, of uh, Forsberg and net a lot of good things on an individual basis, but still, again, the group as a group, just learning how to win, learning how to do the right things more often to get W's. It's still got a ways to go. Yeah. And I don't know what to make of this final flurry. They went on. They, they, they look really good again in the last month and a half, but Let's go back in our Wayback Machine, jump in the time machine here in Sens Nation. You and I talking about this one year ago, um, I was talking in the same terms. I was thinking this is a team that has a chance to make the playoffs next year, just based on what we saw. They seem to, they seem to be getting it now. And, and I hope that this is finally a turning of the page and the start of an emergence of this team. It's been a five-year rebuild. And I want to be excited about what I'm seeing for all the things you just talked about. The team's played better. They've looked better in their own zone. They seem to have a stable goalie in Anton Forsberg. So I feel like I want to just jump in again and say, yeah, next year, they could be a playoff team. But even the, even the general manager is, is putting away playoff talk. Pierre Dorian said at his end-of-year media availability today, next season we have to play meaningful games until the end. That's That's his dramatic as he was willing to go, even though I think earlier this season he was talking about competing for a playoff spot, which I guess is, you know, it's sort of saying the same thing, but he said, let's see what the roster looks like in September and I can give you a better answer, but I do have hope. I really do. I mean, that's where I, if I'm to assess where I'm at, I agree with everything you just said. And I'll just add, it's nice to have hope at the end of a campaign. And I think you're going to have next season a chance particularly up front, that's where it's the most of the excitement is. I think you get a 430 goal scorers on this team this fall. Oh, for sure. Uh, the, but the key, you, you said the start of the emergence, the key word being start, right? The, the start to yeah. the season, they've got to have a better start. This year's start was worse than last year's and then was compounded by the, the COVID problems and the illness and the injury. And then it was just like, forget they, they had no hope from December on really. So if they yeah. come out with a, a decent start, maybe they've got a shot. I don't want to be negative Nelly, but if you look at the East, the teams that are in the playoffs, those eight teams, like which one of them is going to drop down? Who's going to fall out? You know, maybe a Boston slips a little. I, I don't see it being, uh, you know, none of the big ones. I don't see it being Columbus, but then you've also got the Islanders missed. You can't believe they're going to be that bad again next year. They got screwed by COVID too. They're going to be better. Detroit's going to be better. Buffalo's going to be better. Like it's not going to get any easier. So I think a realistic goal is, yeah, let's let's try to play some meaningful games down the stretch, which really means let's be in a playoff hunt, right? As you as you alluded to, he's basically saying the same thing without saying the word playoffs. I don't know if that's right. possible, but it, it it's it can't be worse. It cannot be worse, or some some heads are going to roll. Yeah, I think it, when you're looking at the Sens' chances, I think that you actually have to hope that the teams that did not make the playoffs all improve. And by that, I mean, on a more consistent basis, beat the current eight playoff teams for this season. Because that that's why we have the haves and have-nots. And if the Sens are to close that gap, 
I don't think they can close a 27-point gap on their own. They're going to need those top teams to come back. We've seen some years where the eighth-place team in a, in a conference is actually down around 92, 93 points. And yeah. that will only happen if the bad teams all get better and start taking some points away from those top eight teams. So right now, I think a lot of people are wondering, okay, where are we at with the draft pick and the draft lottery? They're actually in a better spot than they were in the last draft. They got Tyler Boucher 10th overall. This time there's a 75% chance they will pick 7th or 8th overall. And then there's a 6.5% chance they might move up to 1st or 2nd overall. And uh, there's also like about a 7% chance they could fall to ninth. So they'll definitely be better in the draft than they were last year. And if you had told me that at this time last year, I'd have said you was crazy. <laughs> yeah. It, it's one thing to, uh, to do well in the draft lottery. It's another thing to, to, to find a gem. And, uh, yeah. and at, at this point, I'm, I'm, I got to do some research, obviously, before the draft comes up to see what's there and what looks good and where they're going to be at. But it would be nice for them to, to find a player. And, and and their history says they will find a player, right? Their, their history says they're going to find somebody good. So I, I, I look forward to the draft and seeing what happens. But I, I, I more look forward to deals, trades, free agency, maybe. Uh, what they're going to do with some of the RFAs, how they're going to handle what UFAs, you know, all that sort of stuff. That, that to me is going to be way more interesting than the draft, I think. So Pierre Dorian, State of the Union address today, and right out of the gate, the one that grabbed me. And I'll say this, I came at it on a Sunday. They did their State of the Union address Sunday morning at 10 a.m. And uh, I, I, I wasn't able to attend or anything like that. So early on, I relied on a tweet from TSN 1200 uh, my former employer, and the tweet was simply uh, Pierre Dorian saying, we won't be spending to the top of the cap unless we sell out all 41 home games. And so I put it out there. I said, that's an odd promotional decision to, to put it that way. <laughs> After missing the playoffs five straight years, you're going to come at them with ultimatums. Um, that said, and this is a Sunday we're recording this. And that's when I put that tweet out there. And a lot of people went bonkers over it. It's like 500 replies to it. I will say this. I had a chance to go back and actually listen to the context of that particular quote. He definitely said that. And that definitely one way or the other, no matter how he presents it, is going to rub some people the wrong way. But I think I should play, in fairness here, play the Pierre Dorian clip uh, and hear how he presented it. Honestly, if you listen to it, I think you'll find that he was attempting to bring some levity into the situation. I don't, he certainly didn't present it as a hard ultimatum. This is what he had to say. This team's on the right path. As far as where we're going to spend, it's no secret where we've spent the last four years. You can figure it out for yourself where we spent, but that was part of the rebuild. And I think as we move forward, we're going to start spending more money. Are we going to be a team that spends uh, 81 and a half million next year? No. I think unless you can guarantee me that we'll sell out the 41 games, I think I can push that through to spend 81 and a half million. But if we're not <laughs> going to sell out the 41 home games, I think we're still going to be a team. Uh, I don't think we'll be where we were in the previous four years, but I think uh, we're, we're going to bridge a certain amount to, you know, to uh, maybe now go after higher quality free agents or acquire higher quality players because that's what we feel. You talk to the players and we feel that that's the direction that we should be going into. So that's Pierre Dorian yeah. with a bit of chuckling in there as well. He still said it, but I think there's context that needs to be thrown in the mix. 
And that's something that so frequently gets lost in all communication on social media, Greg. It's a little passive aggressive too, probably, right? There's a, there's a chuckle to it, but there's a lot of truth yeah. behind it. It's a, it's a budget team. And uh, part of the budget is revenue. And without revenue, you can't have the high expenditures that, that some fans may want and li- like right. it or hate it. Um, the fans play a part in the team's ability to sign players to big deals. Now, when we do look toward next year, can DJ Smith and Pierre Dorian survive another rancid start to a season? Like if they come out and for a third year in a row, anyway, at least they come out and just basically destroy their season in the first month and a half. Can they survive that? Well, it's a, it's another uh, financial decision more than anything else, right? It's can, can the senators afford to pay somebody not to coach their team and can they afford to pay somebody not to be the GM? Uh, There are people in place obviously who can take over, but they would need raises. So it wouldn't cost as much as it would say another team where you might fire the coach and all his staff and you fire the GM and you don't have somebody ready to take his place. So let's put it this way. If, if they do not start well, I can see them being fired. No question. But let's not expect some big name guy from outside the organization to come in and take anybody's place. It's just too cheap, too much. It's too easy to do it cheaper by having Pierre Maguire take over and Jack Capuano take over or, or a Troy Mann, right? Although, who knows what this team is going to be in the new world order, right? Mm-hmm. We don't know exactly. Maybe things change. Maybe the team gets sold. We're six months away from the next regular season game for the Ottawa Senators. So we may be trying to assess something that may change completely in the next six months. So that's going to be fascinating, fascinating to keep an eye on. So what this team has been in the last seven, eight years may not truly be what it is moving forward. It may have a full on change of, uh, of attitude, but again, back to that, not spending to the top of the cap, unless we sell out all 41 home games, that certainly implies there's there's nothing imminent, I think, in terms of a change of spending habits. But if the team is sold, you're absolutely right. If there's new ownership, it wouldn't surprise me if they, if they don't even start the season with the same same staff. <laughs> That's a distinct possibility. And for sure, if there's new ownership and they sputter, then they're all gone. Right. Yeah, no, that's another great point. If, if there's deep-pocketed owners who've been watching this team from afar and have their own opinions of things, yeah, I mean – New ownership would mean performance reviews across the board and everything would be thrown up on the table. So anyway, we'll see how it goes, but uh, nothing imminent in that department. And we're just speculating at this stage of the game. In terms of turning it around and having that better start, Pierre Dorian said, we're probably going to play nine preseason games next year. We're going to look at going away before the season. A little team building action. We have not started well the last two seasons and we want to do everything to be ready to start. So put your coach's hat on. It's coach's corner time, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> How much of a difference does playing more preseason games and doing some team building, and I would assume probably getting your starters in there for maybe two, three games earlier than you normally would for dress rehearsals and such so you can hit the ground running on opening night Do you feel like that truly makes a big difference at the start of a season before the regular campaign gets going? Yes. And you just stole my thunder. That's my exact point. If you're going to play nine preseason games, then I want to see the day one opening night 
roster lineup on the ice for the last three games. Like make your decisions right. by then figure out who's in and who's out. And, and like, I'd, I'd love to see them down to 23 guys with three games left. I think that would be phenomenal and play that lineup. So that game one is just really game four, or maybe it's game five. Like we're ready. We've been playing together. We've learned from these last three or four exhibition games. We know what works. We know what doesn't work. We, we, we got things down pat and we just bang. We're, we're, it's just another game, game one. We're ready to go. You won't have the likes of Chris Tierney, Victor Mete, and Tyler Ennis in the lineup. It is the end of the line for those three guys. Chris Tierney, Victor Mete, not going to get new contracts. Neither is Tyler Ennis. They haven't closed the door on Tyler Ennis completely, but I'm telling you right now, they're going to close the door on Tyler Ennis completely. Uh, I just don't see that happening. If they wanted him, they could get him for a song like on July 1st. Or right now, even better. But I don't I don't see that happening. Thoughts on the end of the line for Tierney, Mete and Ennis. It makes sense. Uh, you've got guys there now who can play in those roles in the fourth line. The emergence of uh, Parker Kelly, the emergence of uh, of Kastelik, um, Godet, you've got still around. Uh, Gambrell is still here. So when Pinto comes back in, when you find somebody else to play in your top two lines, that drops a Formington down and Brown and Pinto is your third line. You've got a Watson, you've got Kastelik, you've got the Godet and Gambrell, and you've got guys to choose from, Parker Kelly, to choose from there on your fourth line. So, it, yeah, we don't need these extra guys around. We're done with them. I don't, it, it, it makes perfect sense. And we've been talking about it all year long. So these guys probably wouldn't be back. So what do you have as far as forwards this fall? Like, I don't think, I don't see very many openings at all. Like I get 10 locks, but you mentioned Gaudette. He didn't, you know, Pierre Dorian didn't talk about what the plan is as far as I know, uh, or that I can recall as to what they're going to do with Gaudette. He is an RFA. And then you've also got a guy like Mark Kastelik, who they loved. And then meanwhile, DJ Smith said the other day that Parker Kelly, basically go get a house, said he showed everybody he's a full-timer. So here's your 10 that are locks, in my opinion. Kachuk, Norris, Batherson, Stutzla, Brown, Joseph, Pinto, Formanton, Kelly, and Watson. And that's 10 of 12. And again, Gaudette, Kastelik. So if you want to talk about bringing a guy in, they're going to have to change their course. They certainly like to see another top six forward in there, but there's not many jobs opening. Not many jobs open is my point. Um, what say you about what the forward core will look like in the fall? I think you just, you, you nailed it. I mean, the only other name I'd throw in there is Gambrell, who's, who's in the consideration for that fourth line. You're going to carry 13 forwards. So your 10 plus Costellic and Parker, Kelly, and, and you're sorry, and Gaudet and Gambrell makes, makes 13, right? So you're there, but we want to try to find a top six forward. It's going to cost you something. You don't want that something to be an existing top six, unless it's somebody who's in the top six who probably doesn't belong there. So that leads me to looking at an Alex Formanton or looking at a, dare I say it, a Connor Brown, because you don't want to be trading away Batherson, Stutzla, Norris, or Kachuk. You want to find somebody else who's got some value. Maybe that person is Ridley Gregg. Like some of these assets that you have collected over the years of, of you know, the, the suckdom years, you've got these assets now, right? You've got a few extra draft picks still. 
You've got some players that you have drafted who might be palatable to someone, uh, a, J- a Jacob Bernard Docker, a Lassie Thompson. Somebody who's here now isn't going to be here for the start of the season, and it might be two of them. I, and that's what I want. I don't want to see them go the free agent route. I mean, how? what percent? If you're like, you know, you're watching Jays today, like what's what's your batting average if, if you're going out there and signing, you know, veteran free agents to five-year contracts and up? What's the batting average on that? It seems to me like for every one you hear work out, it feels like there's two, three, four that look like a joke within year three or four of the deal. Yeah, it comes down to age, right? Like it, 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 it's almost like it needs to be an offer sheet or at least somebody in that age group, right? right? Not necessarily somebody coming off their entry level who's an RFA, but somebody who is is in that sort of area. Uh, Kevin Fiala, um, I mentioned connecting to you earlier. Who knows what Philly's going to do if they're going to clean house? Maybe he's somebody they'll get rid of. Maybe San Jose's looking to to send some people away. Uh, you just you, you, somebody who's not 32 years old is a free agent and his best years are behind him. That's yeah. what you're looking for, right? Not only from a, from a skill standpoint and the right type of player who can produce with you for a few years, but also from being the right age and the right type of guy who's going to fit in with everyone else who's already here, right? Like what is it? Shabbat's probably the oldest of the core. Um, yeah, I would say so. Uh, yeah, of the of, of like forwards and defense, right? Yeah, and he's what 25, maybe <laughs> like, like you don't yeah. need to, a 26, 27, 28 year old, no problem. When you start getting close to 30, uh, there's worries, there's 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 considerations to, to take in. And a, the big thing is the guy's not worth five years that you shouldn't give that guy five years, but he's a free agent and some idiot's going to give him five years. So, okay, fine, we're out of the conversation, we're not even in that one, right? Move right. on to the next target. We like this guy who is 26 years old. He might give a five-year deal to, you know, but then of course it's, do they want to come here? <laughs> that's the, that's the next big problem. So you're, you're, uh, we're back to, we come full circle again and we're back to what we both agree. I, I think it needs to be a trade. And then, like I said, be prepared. Some of these young assets that are here are not going to be here come the start of the season. The only free agency I'm interested in this stage of the rebuild is an ear, nose, and throat specialist. <laughs> Sorry, I went down that road again. Yeah, as I as I transitioned to DJ Smith and his discussion with the media, he had his exit meetings. And there was lots of throat and sinus clearing throughout the entire thing. But uh, that aside, a kid, a kid, DJ Smith. He, he like we said off the top, we know there were some good things, of course. But this is what DJ Smith had to say about the season that was. Frustrating. Um, probably the lo- longest year of my career coaching-wise when it comes to um, the COVID situation, the not playing games, then a you know, zillion games in a row, and, and then the travel. It's just – and then the injuries to go with it. It's just it's, – it's been a really long year, uh, learning year. Um, found out a lot of things um, – you know, about our players and, and, and what they're capable of and what some aren't capable of. Um, and I think it gives us a real good understanding of where we are as an organization, you know, um, who's going to be here going forward and, and what we need to do to take the next step. So how about that, Greg? The longest of my coaching career. Frustrating. 
You had the COVID, you had not playing, you had the condensed schedule at the end. Of course, you had the massive number of injuries to key guys. I mean, it. Uh, I'm sure DJ Smith, like so many other people, expected so much more from this season. And he wears some of it. There's no question. He has to wear some of it. That D-zone coverage never really consistently got on track. They had their moments, but never was really consistent. And uh, so he wears some of it. But a lot of things were out of his control. Was frustrating to watch. It's the toilet seat, though. It's up, down, up, down. Like, geez, guys, can we just lock in on a way to play and play it consistently from night to night? Regardless of the injuries, regardless of the COVID problems, regardless of the condensed schedule, can you just get closer to playing the same game the same way with the same players night in and night out? That's that's a successful team. Look at any team in the NHL. They have an identity. This is the way yeah. they play. The Sens have an identity, but it just doesn't show up every night. They forget right. their wallet at home. <laughs> they, they can't uh, they can't show you who they are, and that that is frustrating. I think there was two things with the D zone. To me, sometimes guys just didn't seem to know where to be in, in the whole reading and reacting. Um, something would occur, and somebody would slide out, and then no one would take that person's position. It just seemed like the whatever choreography they have going on in D-zone coverage, it just seemed glitchy some nights. And that can be taught. That can be overcome. But I think more frustrating than that was that so often, even when they were in the right places, they'd get an opportunity to win the puck and – the lack of puck skill on the back end would show through. You've got Thomas Shabbat, of course. He's definitely going to do clever things with the puck. That's the, And that's what Tim Stutzla has really delivered as, as there he is someone who's he's a one-man breakout. Like his move to center has been absolutely huge and will continue to be. And Shane Pinto, I think, will will take it even further. There he are. If the, if the puck skill isn't there on the blue line, at least you've got centermen who can help. Yeah, you're you're getting them all. You're hitting all my points, Stevie. I should just sorry. I should take every show off for now on. <laughs> but yeah, like like you're 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 bang on. There are nights when Branstrom's at his best that he can be a transporter of the puck and get out of his zone the way a Shabbat can. But the, the watch how how much better the Senators are with their exits when it's Stutzla back there playing center down deep. He 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 he, he plays a p- proper spot and support. There's a loose. Uh, biscuit he grabs it he makes a couple of tight turns here and a tight turn there and he's gone and we're out of here and pinto will bring the same thing and the skill level rising there the skill level rising on the walls too like like wingers who know how to get a puck out and and as the defensemen get better as branstrom gets better as shabbat plays every night uh whoever comes in um Hamannick is better like most of those other guys that were back there playing defense and i'll i'll include a holding in it. Most of those guys are glassing out guys. Right. And that just, it, it doesn't always work. It takes skill to be able to fire a puck at the right height with the right velocity, with the right angle off the glass to have time to do that. You know, uh, a skilled guy can just flip it. Boom. You know, it's off the glass and out, but if you're not very good and you've got hands like a clock, you can't necessarily make even that simple play. And that's where that skilled deficiency back there hurt them. And I yeah. think the addition of Hamannick, the improvement of, although I don't still don't know about him, but Michael Delzato was better, but no way do you need Mete back there. I, I can't stand watching Zaitsev. He's just a bang, bang, bang. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it as hard as he can. Zub can play. You've, you've got three, four guys back there that can actually play now. Augment, bring in a couple other guys, and you're, you're on your way. 
Yeah, and 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 that thought about you know when in doubt glassing out. I I, I don't mind. Every everybody's got to do it every once in a while. You got to cut bait on a play and you mm-hmm. under duress it and you have to do it. But you know when it seems to be the first go to for more than one or two defensemen in your core, that's a big problem. Yeah. You know, so there, and Jake Sanderson's going to help that a, a ton mm-hmm. as well. He is so slick back there and uh, hopefully he gets the NHL very, very quickly. Cause that's also going to make the sense better um, all the sooner. Also DJ Smith was asked, and let me, let me ask you as someone who's coached a long time at so many different levels, if a media member at the end of a season comes to you and I'm not, Going after our pal Ian Mendez, because I think he was the one that asked the question. This is a standard question at every one of those end-of-year availability sessions. That whole thing about how would you describe your coaching this season? How would you uh, assess your own coaching? I would hate that Mm -hmm. if I were a coach getting that question at the end of the year. Anything... you're damned if you do damned if you don't if you talk negatively about yourself you're just like no he's no confidence he's no good or if you talk positively oh what an arrogant sob so i hate that question what do you think of it the question the question Uh, it's a legitimate question especially in professional sports you 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 are accountable you're answerable to people and it's the media's job to ask the questions that their readers or viewers want answers to. And that's clearly a question that, that people want to know. So, I mean, it's a tough question, but I think the answer has to come from what were my goals as a coach and did I achieve my goals? And we don't know what DJ's goals were, but he did mention that, you know, one of them was to make the kids better. And he certainly did. The kids are better. I don't know whether that was just by osmosis or if if it was from something that DJ and the staff did. The kids got better. Um, he did a much better job in, in, in sort of locking down how to play Senator Hockey. Uh, as to results, I have no idea what his goals were, but I'm willing to bet he didn't reach them. So, right, I, I would always turn that question around to what my goals were and, yeah. and, and kind of break it down that way. Yeah, and let's be clear. I don't have a problem with it with my media hat on, but if I'm the coach that's getting that question, I would hate it. As a media member, I would ask that question. Absolutely. I would just hate it as a coach. Yeah, he said, my goal is to make the kids better. Feels like they've done that. And uh, we failed to put up wins. That's the other, you know, end of the day. Yeah. What is that Bill Parcells line? You are what your record says you are. Yeah. And uh, so we'll see if... uh, if they can be more than that, uh, there's work to be done, though. I think still everything is on the table. Everything is to be assessed. The one good thing I feel, you know, that forward core, um, you've got a top 3D that looks really slick right now in Shabbat, Sanderson, and Zub. And I mentioned all the forwards they've got going. You know, we forgot um, one. What's that? We forgot a forward. Oh, who? Colin White. Right. He's an interesting discussion. Yeah, we didn't even mention him. <laughs> no, no, I think we, because we've turned the page on him, but I don't know if the organization has, I think fans and media all assume a buyout, but that guy is so freaking popular. And I know the organization likes him and he certainly wouldn't hurt you in a, in a fourth line role, maybe a third line role even. But I mean, with the three centers they have right now, I don't see Colin White being anything more than a fourth liner. And just as a matter of policy, Holy cow. Does he deliver anything more than Dylan Gambrell did? I don't think so. Yeah. And and just p- pure money standpoint, yeah. you, you can get rid of that money and pay somebody a quarter of what you pay him to do the same job. 
Like maybe he comes back and, and plays well and starts the year in, in, in what we're giving to Pinto as the third line center. Maybe that's where he plays, but I just, right. not, not for that kind of money. I don't need that. And the buyout because of his age and because of the, the way the contract works, he, he can get bought out now cheaper than if you wait another year. Uh, this is the time to do it or else it's another phone call back to Montreal who apparently were really interested at the deadline. It just didn't happen. Well, who knows? Maybe it happens now. Would he be your one guy? If I gave you an opportunity to buy one guy out, is it, is it white? Is it Zaitsev? Is it Matt Murray? Who is it? Well, if there's a deal on the table that can be had with Montreal, then it's not white. It's probably Zaitsev. I, I got to believe, like, I, I do agree with what Pierre said today that Matt Murray, when he was healthy, played very well. And you're going to need two goalies playing very well. And Gustafson, I'm sorry, he he digressed. He got worse. He regressed, whatever the proper phrase is. He got worse <laughs> as the year went on. So I, I'm, I'm not too confident in the big Gus moving forward. Uh, but if Matt Murray, when he was healthy, played very well, and if he can come in healthy and play that well to start the year next year, then then he's here. And it's probably, he's not a buyout candidate in my mind. Having said that, if you can find somebody who wants to trade him, wants him in a trade, by all means, move him out. So we're digressing in this regression conversation. <laughs> I find that interesting. <laughs> a funny thing about Philip Gustafson, so he's one of three guys that's on a one-way contract. And we don't know what Matt Murray's status is going to be. He's been out with post-concussion, they announced, in the midst of this media availability. But I don't know if you had a chance to see the end of the game against the Marlies the other night. So it's Belleville and the Marlies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and I, I was like, what's going on here? So the Sens have won, and they're getting ready for the playoffs. Now they're going to take on Rochester. But Gustafson, like skates, everybody's coming out to congratulate him. Gustafson skates past his teammates through the offensive zone or the defensive zone into the neutral zone with his stick in the air, like, and, and almost skates right up to the Marlies as they're coming off the bench. I was like, well, that's a confident Philip Gustafson. I, I kind of thought that he might be a little on the shy side, but that was a, that was a bit of swagger there yeah, from the young Swede. He crossed right over. He crossed center ice. Like they're, they're going to yeah. gather. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're gathering to do their little circle at center and salute or whatever. And, and he crossed center ice. I didn't see his head moving up and down. So I don't know that he was jawing anybody, but he probably was chirping a little too. I don't know where that came from, but you could tell he wasn't too impressed with the Marlies either in that game or maybe the Marlies in general as a whole as an organization. So uh, DJ Smith pointed out in the goaltending front. Uh, yeah. There's probably, you know, there's going to be, three goalies under contract and he was asked about Matt Murray and uh, the disappointing thing is he's just unavailable most nights, whether it's, he ended up going down to the minors based on his play, whether it was injuries or whatever, because it feels like there's more to that Matt Murray story than meets the eye. Honestly, that March 5th injury Zaitsev bumps into him in a game where they gave up eight goals against Arizona. He finished that game. And that's not to say you can't have an injury that would take you out after that, but it would certainly hint that it wasn't the bleakest of injuries, but it basically took him out for the season. So I just feel with the trip to the minors and some of his dialogue, I, I just feel like there's something more than meets the eye. But DJ Smith said, yeah, he's unavailable most nights. But the positive is we found Anton Forsberg. And that's the million dollar question. If you need him, can Anton Forsberg be a number one in the NHL? <laughs> and who knows, right? What's the answer going to be here? Uh, yeah. he, he is he another 
is he another in a long line of senator backup backups who who did well brief time and got a nice contract and then just sputtered out like like a hamburglar or like mike condon or i can't even remember i used to have a list of five of them that have been here in the past who looked good briefly they 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 were coming a pending free agent they got a nice contract and then they sucked you know like those those are the two big ones no question yeah so so what 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 is he you know, we'll find out in September, I guess. And, and hopefully he is what he's been this year. This is the thing, though. The two things. Pressure from two perspectives of being a good team. You know, if you're suddenly in the mix and you're contending for a playoff spot, which they hope to be throughout most of the next year, that's a different kind of mentality than sliding in in a lost cause season. And then also the other bit of pressure sliding in as the number two guy through most of this year, Matt Murray's making the $6 million that very clearly indicates the depth chart. And so Forsberg gets in there because of an injury. Well, if you, if you basically start either Murray's not available or isn't good and Forsberg's seen as the number one, that changes the dynamic too. Suddenly you're number one goalie in the national hockey league. That's another difficult thing to play under. So pressure is going to change things potentially. I hope it doesn't, but there's a lot to add. As excited as I am, like most Sens fans are, about Anton Forsberg's performance, and he he certainly earned the contract he got, there is still, like like you were just talking about, who knows what we're going to get next season. All the more reason why why you kind of don't want to be buying out Matt Murray just yet. If he comes back healthy, uh, he, he can be your number one. And they have no plans to it. He's definitely coming back. It's not... It was certainly through most of the year we thought maybe there was a chance, but uh, they put that to bed today. Uh, One last thing I wanted to ask you about. I don't have any time for trivia today, but I wanted to ask you about Eugene Melnick's daughters. They were in town for a couple of club events, one being the picture day, which I'm sure that their father would have been completely charmed by seeing his two daughters, Anna and Olivia, on either side of Brady Kachuk, who is dead center in the in the photo. And not only that, but uh, in the fan appreciation game to close out the season, their home dates anyway, uh, they dropped the puck, the ceremonial face-off. And it was nice to see that Brady Kachuk actually got a, got a handshake <laughs> yeah. from the opposing captain. So that was nice. But uh, what did you, uh, do you make anything, like, I, I don't know if I should read into that. Is that just them paying tribute to their dad? Or is that maybe... You know, just sort of sending kind of a message to say we're here and, and we're ready to roll as owners. Well, I think it's doing what is required of you. As, as the owner of the team, of course, you're going to be in the picture. And if you're going to come into town for the for the picture, you're going to stay for the game. So that, that all made sense. The, the dropping of the puck is probably the only thing that was a little bit maybe abnormal, right? Like Eugene wouldn't have dropped the puck if he was still around, but he certainly would have been in the picture and he would have been upstairs in his box. I thought it was pretty cool that, that that they were here. I mean, one 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 of them or two of them or one at least one of them is younger than Brady, right? One of the daughters, True. you know. Yeah. There, I, I just I'm looking at it thinking like, how many of them are making like uh, major league jokes right now, or how many of them are are thinking like, wow, this is kind of weird, isn't it? But yeah. uh, from what I read uh, this morning, I think it's is that uh, Mr. Planner. Uh, is basically running things uh, on behalf of the of the girls and and uh, on behalf of the late Eugene Melnick. He's he's running things, 
and what's going to happen in the future. I think over the course of the next couple of months, we're, we're going to find out exactly where this thing's going. Yeah. So many fascinating storylines for the off season and uh, certainly lots of excitement and hope for the new season, which is still ugh, six months away. We do have some Stanley cup playoff action to get excited about. There's going to be some great matchups this year. And certainly we'll talk about that in upcoming episodes. If you're wondering as a listener of the program, yes, absolutely. We are going to continue on into the off season and uh, cause there's always great sense talk, always stuff going on with this team, particularly this team. <laughs> so uh, we look forward to that. And certainly we appreciate everybody for listening uh, over the last uh, last season and uh, we'll call it quits right there. Don't forget our website. And by the way, there's going to be, as I mentioned, there's going to be some blue team elimination watch t-shirts available on the website, <laughs> sensnationhockey.com. So if, uh, if that's to you kind of get you through the solace of the Sens season ending, cheering against the Leafs, why not do it in great fashion? So enjoy your evening, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, Drake Batherson will join us for our wrap up session with him in our next episode. Greg, we'll talk to you later. For sure, Steve. Looking forward to it. Thanks for being with us on the Jim K. Ford Sens Nation podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and review. Share the show with your friends and followers or become a member on Patreon. Check out our website today at SensNationHockey.com.